The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. That's good. Hey, Bills fans, welcome to a special edition episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is our Halloween edition where we are going to discuss things about the Buffalo Bills that have either happened this season or could happen in the future to the Buffalo Bills that really scare us and really terrify us. And then we're going to talk about some scary movies and some fun stuff like that. Um, first, want to welcome my co-hosts, John and Mike. Fellas, let's talk about things or items having to do with the Bills, th- things that have happened this season already or could happen in the future that could terrify us as Bills fans if they were to happen or if they have happened. And, John, I want you to go first. You had some really cool stats about the last time the Bills were 5-2, and two, which they are currently. They're 5-2. and two. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the 20th time the Bills have been 5-2 and two in their history. But what scares me is the last five times they've been 5-2. and two, No playoff wins, and t- two of the times they didn't even have a winning record by the end of the season, didn't make the playoffs. Um, so that dates back to 1996, where they lost to the Jaguars. In 95... They were five and two. They did win a playoff game against the Dolphins. So the last time they and won the a playoff la- game, right? And that's and that's also the last time they won the division. So you have to go that far back. So if the Bills win the division and win a playoff game, it'll be both. They'll be both setting, ending twenty-five year droughts in both respects. Wow. So, yep. so John, does it scare you to think that this might be one of those seasons, like a uh, what was it, Trent? When was the most recent time that we? We went five and two, and we didn't make the playoffs. Twenty eleven, and then twenty two thousand eight. Also, oh, I remember those vividly. Yeah, twenty eight, two thousand eight. I think that was the Edwards one. I think, right? Yes. Where he got injured. Um, I think maybe even in that game where they where they lost the Colonels. Um, and he, I don't think it was ever the same after that. 
yeah, that, that recency bias is, is certainly scary. It's a different team, but um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even last year they went 5-2, and two, right? And they, and they made the playoffs and uh, they, they lost. But maybe this year they get that, you know, they win the division, they get a home playoff game, and there won't be fans, so maybe it won't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's scary? Speaking of things that scare you about the Bills, things that scare me about the Bills that you just, just from what you were talking about, is um, the Bills making the playoffs and having a first-round exit again. Like, that scares me as a Bills fan. I mean... Um, Sean McDermott's, uh, you know, he's made the playoff two to the last three years. If he makes a playoff this year as, as our head coach, there'll be three of the last four years, and there'll be three first-round exits. He lost to the Jaguars two, three years ago, um, just the Houston Texans this last year. In two games that arguably, if the Bills had played just slightly better, they could have made it to the next round. Um, and they, they fell short. And, uh, yeah, that scares me to think that what we just signed uh, Sean McDermott to another five-year deal, and uh, I'm just, you know, him ending up like a Marvin Lewis where he makes the playoffs eight or ten times or whatever and never makes it past the the first round. Um, that's scary. Ugh, ugh, I don't want to I'll tell you what. I'll put I'll put a cu- couple of positive spins on it for you. If McDermott makes it past, I definitely if he makes it through the whole season, but if he makes it past like the 11th to 12th game or something like that, he'll be the longest tenured Bills coach since Marv Levy. And if you look at the entirety of the Bills history that they've gone five and two or better in the previous 19 times, they did make the playoffs 14 of 19 times, won the division nine times, won a playoff game eight of those times and made it to the final championship title game six times winning two titles. Nice way to end it on a positive note, Mike, what about the bills scares you or could scare you in the future? Look, if I'm taking this to heart, I think it takes the same energy to have a big dream as it does to have a small dream, right? And you guys aren't thinking big enough. Talking about playoff, like what could seriously derail the organization is Allen having, we know his propensity to run. um, And I mean, we love it. Big play potential, but it also opens up the door to have a, a catastrophic injury. We view him as hopefully a franchise quarterback, right? It's you sign a longer term deal and then having a catastrophic injury is something that would affect the organization for years down the road um, because so much of the future is, is tied up in one player, I think. And then secondly, we every podcast episode, it seems like we touch on it, at least in the periphery is, is COVID. And you've talked about in the past with um, right how you felt that Tennessee kind of got maybe a slap on the wrist or certainly dealt with leniency when they were maybe not following the protocols like they should have. And that's something you could see <clears throat> as a pessimistic Bills fan. You could see, you could see where um, we're finally having success, putting some distance between us and the other teams in the AFC East. Hopefully that continues, and then it could all unravel the, yeah. the whole season if the Bills were stricken um, to, a, to any degree um, on the team with I don't know how the NFL would react to something like that, one specific team, but we've only seen a microcosm of how they'll deal with it in the sense of like changing out the bye weeks one week here, right? But it would not be hard to envision a scenario where that derails the Bills season. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, the Bills were lucky. It was just Dawson Knox in the tight end room. I mean, arguably one of the weakest 
positional rooms in in on the team. Imagine if that was a quarterback room, like you said. And really dodged the bullet with Tyler Croft, right? That's incredibly fortuitous. Yeah, the best tight end so far in the room was the only one that didn't that wasn't uh, on the injured uh, COVID list. Yeah, jeez, man, you guys are really scaring me. I was just. It was just like a fun thought, like, oh, let's talk about things that haunt us and scares. Like, those are a, a, a catastrophic. You weren't talking about just an injury to Josh Allen for the season. where we, You're talking catastrophic, like Alex Smith, like where he might not come back. Like, the, he's done. And we don't have anybody waiting in the wings necessarily that can step up right away. Because you know Matt Barkley's not coming through that door and leading us to a 10-6, and 11-5 season. You're talking, like, serious, like he's, he's out for at least a couple of years and may, may not come back. Or both. Yeah, anything like that, right? Like Joe Theismann breaking his leg. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Well, geez, mine aren't that scary. <laughs> no, mine's... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so this is one that I've been thinking about recently. You know, we this, this one scares me from an overall perspective. Um, and again, we're not saying that... Uh, at least I'm not saying that this is the truth or this is happening but this scares me that this might happen or it might be what goes on with the buffalo bills from here on out is brandon bean has been the gm for the buffalo bills for three drafts and i'm going to list for you the, the the top three rounds and the players that he's picked with the buffalo bills now we all know that the season before that um he wasn't the gm during that draft that was doug whaley and sean mcdermott running that draft they got some really good pieces out of it they got Tredavious white they got uh, matt milano Deion Dawkins, like that was a pretty decent draft if you look at it. Three, those three players are still on the roster, and uh, two of them have been extended. 2017, first round pick, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, who's trending in the right direction, for sure. Um, not 100% sure on it, but not a bad pick. We can all say that that's not a, that's not a bad pick at this point. Other first round pick from 2017, Tremaine Edmonds. I, I, I would give him way more credit with Josh Allen. That was a very contrarian pick. Oh, give him more credit for picking him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right, like, it, it takes a lot more to go against the grain. Like, if you whiff on somebody on a consensus pick, you're not faulted at all. But when you pick a guy that everyone's considering a potential yeah, bust. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's your job, right? It's like uh, a, so many analogies in everyday life, right? Like, your work or they talk, like, say, a mutual fund manager picking stocks, right? You pick... What's the biggest blue chip there? I, I don't even know. Back in the day, IBM, today, Microsoft. You you say, oh, we should buy Microsoft, and it goes down. They say, oh, shitty Microsoft. <laughs> they don't say shitty Nate. But if you're like, oh, let's buy this really tiny little company that I, I'm the only one that researched it, yeah. and let's let's put our funds in that. Let's put and all that one tanks. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> see you later, Nate. Let's buy this penny stock. <laughs> Right. With our one billion dollars of capital, it's like, wait, aren't you sure you don't want to buy uh, GM, uh, no, or General Electric or whatever? Like, no, let's do it yeah, all. Those are those are perfect, perfect, perfect examples. GM or General Electric goes down. It's like, oh, it's those companies. But you do something a little off the beaten path. It's you. And I think we can't give enough credit to Brandon Bean and his team because nobody had Allen where they had him. Right? No. No, You're seeing how it's working out for all everybody else in that class, with the exception of Mark Jackson. Yeah, but if Sam Darnold was, I mean, if if the Bills had a higher pick, right? Like maybe we're on the opposite sides of that of the quarterback matchup we saw today. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. 
I mean, you know, credit to Bean for for providing talent around Josh Allen to help him succeed. But yeah, that was a big swing. That was a big swing by Brandon Bean. Okay, that was the first one. Let me get through this list, okay? That was a, for sure, contrarian pick. Okay, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> um, Tremaine Edmonds was the second first-round pick of 2017, which uh, we're really unsure of at this point. Um, don't really know if he has what it takes. It's not even like he's like uh, an average middle linebacker at this point. I'd agree that, or I'd argue that he's slightly below average at this point and this is his third year so we're not sure again unsure not trending in the in the right direction i'll say harrison phillips talking about harrison phillips he was their third round pick they didn't have a second round pick he was their third round pick he's been a healthy scratch the last two games that's not trending in a positive direction let's go to 2018 first round pick ed oliver ed oliver was supposed to be what quinn and williams was this last week or at least close to what Quinn and Williams was for the Jets and Ed Oliver has not been taking that second year step so far this season we were kind of hoping for a little bit more and I think he's regressed a little bit this season you talk about Cody Ford their second round pick Cody Ford was drafted to be the right tackle for the Buffalo Bills he failed miserably at it last season and now he's changed to guard and from all accounts he seems to be like a very okay guard maybe maybe slightly above average but okay guard well, that's not what they drafted him for. It was a high pick for a guard. And, um, yeah, so I would say he's not trending in the right direction. He's been injured, sure, this past week. But um, you can't look at that and been like, okay, that's definitely a good pick. Devin Singletary, third-round pick uh, from 2018. He's shown some flashes. Not consistently good enough that you can say that this guy is going to be the starter after this season or even after uh, Zach Moss has had some more reps. In the second half of the season, then you look at Dawson Knox, the other third round pick from 2018. I mean, geez, (laughs) I mean, talk about regression or at least continuing to not produce. I mean, Dawson Knox has had a rough second season so far besides, you know, uh, catching COVID and uh, testing positive. um, He continues to drop balls and uh, continues to be a liability offensively. Um, It's not that he's terrible. It's just that he's just not consistent enough. And he led the league in drops last season, and he's not doing so well this season. 2019, you look at this last draft, um, you have A.J. Epinesa, who in the second round, um, he was their first pick. He he hasn't really seen the field a lot. Um, he kind of looks lost out there at times. I mean, if he was good enough as a second-round pick, the Bills would have easily cut Trent Murphy, but he wasn't. And so because of that, they had to keep a $9 million cap hit. So A.J. Epinesa... Um, not coming along as quickly as we would have hoped for, at least a second rounder. I mean, back when the Bills were drafting in the 2000s, in the early 2000s, a second round pick would have been starting for the Bills. Um, they don't have that type of luxury with Agent Epinesa because he's not good enough at this point. And then the third round pick this last year was Zach Moss, who, uh, besides this last game, has really been struggling. He was only at 2.6 yards per carry before the Jets game, and uh, just hasn't. He's been injured, hasn't shown a lot. So I guess the thing that haunts me or, or, or scares me is that. Maybe Brandon Bean isn't that great at drafting. Do I believe that? No. Am I worried that he's not? Yes, because he doesn't completely have a track record. With the players that I mentioned, there are nine players. I would argue one, maybe two of them, you could see as being good picks. Good picks that will probably get a second contract. Other than that, we don't really know. What about the rest of the rounds for each of those years? How is that track record? Oh well, I wasn't going on. I mean, these are the these are the draft picks you have to hit, John. The first three, like Dane Jackson's 
looking great <laughs> so far. If he was a top well, the, three, the draft is a crapshoot, man. You, I mean, you just you just hope to hit somebody from any of the rounds, right? Yeah, but that's where you win like, championships. Even the even the number one overall is fifty fifty, right? Oh, of course. But my my point is, we always usually laud Brandon Bean for doing such a good job drafting, and it always seems like he's doing a good job drafting. But I'm just saying. Maybe there's a small possibility that he's not, and it scares the living daylights out of me to think that because bad drafts set your franchise back tremendously because if you have good talent, good rookie talent on your roster that can start right away, that is an amazing value. Mike was just talking about stocks and paying for penny stocks and stuff like that. That's like getting a rookie that can become an impactful starter on a rookie salary or at least like a you know, a first, second, third year player on a rookie salary. I mean, that's like, that's like buying Apple at $5 a share compared to buying it, whatever it is now at a few hundred dollars a share. I mean, the, the value you're getting in that rookie performing and starting, I mean, a lot of these guys aren't starters. <laughs> Josh Allen is a starter. Tremaine Edmonds is a starter. Ed Oliver is a starter. Cody Ford is becoming a starter. Devin Singletary is when he's not being replaced by, Zach Moss, I, I don't know. So, yeah, but like, look at like he brought in Stephon Diggs, he brought in John Brown, Cole Beasley, all these other players that have helped the offense tremendously. I mean, you got to factor all that in too. Well, I, that's that's another thing though. Maybe he's a GM that's good at signing free agents or trading for free agents. That's fine, but maybe he's not great at drafting. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm ragging on Brandon Bean. I really like Brandon Bean. I think he's done a great job. Um, I'm just. Part of me worries about that a little bit. And I think everyone should be a little worried about that um, until we see these guys really perform, get to that second contract, um, or at least <laughs> perform above average. So do you guys, are you guys fans in general, Mike and John, of scary movies? No. <laughs> John, you're supposed to say yes. You're so supposed to say, continue with this The whole part of this podcast, John, is... <laughs> John, well, I watched. I thought, I thought Mike would say yes. Uh, yes, Nate. I love scary movies. <laughs> they are my favorite genre of movies. <laughs> John, John, I've seen several scary movies with you, which is even funnier that you say that. Were you just dreading that entire time that we were watching movies together? Like, just did it just to do it? You just. Yes, I, I don't prefer to be in um, such a high anxiety state. You and I watched a movie. We watched Insidious, which I would argue is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. And you saw that. You must have been feeling such anxiety. And then and then it was funny because we watched the second one together with our wives. And um, we talked the entire time <laughs> to kind of stop, you know, minimize the horror that you get. Oh, if you just joke around the other time, like, oh, that guy fell. Oh, he'll probably die or something. <laughs> We did that the whole time. John, did you you were really doing that because you just didn't want you're really scared of being scared. Yes, that's correct. Um I didn't want yeah, I was bracing myself essentially. Um I don't watch too many horror or scary movies for that exact reason. So my I have a short list of movies that scare me because I don't watch that many. 
Well, what are they? Give them to us. What 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 kind of scary? Wait, what kind of scary movies scare you the most? The ones that are like Friday the Thirteenth, like Killers, or Nightmare on Elm Street, or are they the ones that like could happen, like serial killers or something like that, or or like like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or like the paranormal ones? Which ones scare you the most? No, it's pretty much all of them. <laughs> um, um, House of a Thousand Corpses comes to mind Ooh. as one of them. Um, obviously nightmare, um, you know, the nightmare on, uh, on Elm street, right? Because that's like, you fall asleep and you're, you don't want to fall asleep <laughs> 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 for obvious reasons, right? Like that's, that's very scary. Oh. <laughs> I have a story once there was, have you ever seen the movie descent? That's mm. on my list, man. Is it? There was, there, did you, when you told me one minute before you started recording this, like, oh, I want to talk about scary movies. That's the one I wrote down. Really? What did you like about Descent? Do you remember what it was about? Yeah, I think it has something to do with some type of Descent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so vague. For for me, it's, it's the disparity between my expectation and the final product is what makes me like, after some introspection, I feel like that's what makes it stick out to me. The, the the couple I wrote down weren't necessarily the the best, but it's ones I went into with the lowest expectation. If that if that makes sense, yeah. Um, so you could certainly keep going first, but the descent. Do I remember what it's about? Yeah, it's a bunch of people going down <laughs> into a cave. <laughs> yeah, it was it was aptly named. Yes. Yeah, I actually because I hate when people tell me like, "Oh, go watch this thing," and I'm like, "How? Where?" I just before you started talking, I was looking at my list and just googled them, and it's on Amazon Prime for free. If oh, folks nice. want to check it out, oh, but they have to. It's so good. Yeah, real good. So it's about like these thrill seekers, right? Like these this group of women that always try to do something different or do something new. Like they go whitewater rafting. They bungee jump or whatever and then this this latest i don't remember any of that go ahead (laughs) (laughs) i've watched it a few times it's good so the latest one is they're like they're gonna go descend into some dark caves or caverns or whatever um and then just kind of like you know go there these aren't like um these aren't public spaces. They're not like national parks. These are like little areas that people have written about on the internet. So they're going to go, um, they're going to go check them out. And then while they're doing that, so like, first of all, you have the dark, right? Which is scary enough. And then you have like confined spaces, which is like, (laughs) and then like they're going into places. And then one girl, the girl that's actually leading tells all the other ones. She's like, Oh yeah, by the way, um, now that we're in a place that we can't get out, um, I decided to take us somewhere that has never been explored before. And they're all like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, this is, uh, I thought that you guys would want to do something cool and different. So I decided to go to a place that didn't have any maps or anything. And we're about to run out of batteries for our headlamps and it's going to be completely dark. But go on, Mike. Is that kind of how you? Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what I remember. There was one part where, so of course they go down there and there's all of these different creatures that you don't know are down there. That like live in the dark. That um, of course, um, I I won't give it away. I won't give it away. But there's one scene in there that's like completely nerve wracking to me as someone that I don't necessarily have claustrophobia, but like they're going in between these like really close like tunnels where like they can barely breathe out because it's so close and like they can't 
release their diaphragms and they're like, it's just like, oh my God, I'm getting anxiety just watching it. But um, there was one scene. Some of that, some of that too, I think comes from like, if you've looked on the internet, like people routinely, I think that's the scary for some of the different reasons that, that you mentioned, like the claustrophobia and the running out of air. So like on the internet is replete with stories, like real life, true, where people are cave diving in scuba gear and they get lost and, and you run out of air, right? Like there's one where the guy runs out of air and he takes out his knife and tries to stab himself because he doesn't want to, like that's the worst thing being under. And then, but he doesn't act, he doesn't successfully kill himself. So now you're like, you don't have any air and you're lost and you're bleeding from the hole in your chest. Like, oh, that's freaking terrible. Um, wow, that's graphic. <laughs> yeah. But, well, doesn't that and also. And another to... one where a guy got stuck in a cave, I think it was in Utah. But, like, you know, you're going, like, rescues all around you, but you can't get out. Like, you know, you're going to die for a day. Like, so, so some of that comes in, too, when we're talking about the descent, like, knowing the real world possibility of getting, like, something primal. Like as humans, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you, th- you can you can at least it's not outside the realm of possibility that you one day are in a similar situation. Yeah, I I also heard with cave divers too, like because you run out of oxygen, you just you'll do whatever, right? Like I mean the panic and that like you know doing what this guy did or like I've seen I've heard of a phenomenon where people are diving like deep sea divers in the ocean. Like they panic and they rip off their masks like a hundred feet down. <laughs> like I saw, I saw a video of it the other day and it's like, wow, that's scary. Like they just all of a sudden, like they're constantly like the guys are constantly like giving thumbs up, like, okay, everything good. And then this lady just like rips off her mask and like the guy, her instructor guide, like throws his mask on her and brings her all the way up to the surface. Right. And I'm like, that scares the hell out of me. <laughs> As someone who doesn't like uh, deep sea diving and uh, is afraid of drowning, so um, also with 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 cave divers, I've heard that like a lot of times when they do find the bodies, like they're smiling because like there's a there's like a release of something like right before they die of like what is it serotonin or something like that where it's just like complete euphoria like right before so like they'll see them. Um, <laughs> this got really dark, <laughs> but. Adrenaline. So, if as as advice to our listeners, don't ever. So why did she rip her mask off? Just for the just she time. she freaked out. She was just freaking out. Either maybe something happened, or I mean, imagine being that deep down and all of a sudden like realizing like I shouldn't be able to breathe right now. Like what's going on? Like I'm sur- completely surrounded by water. Like you know, like I, I don't know. I've gone snorkeling is the only thing I've ever done that's even remotely close. And I'll be honest, I've struggled snorkeling because sometimes the tube was too down too low or I wasn't breathing right because I'm, I, I just am not good at it. Maybe this was this lady's first time doing it. I don't know, but like, it's a phenomenon where, where divers fear that. And, uh, especially you ever heard of the call of the void. It's like the psychological phenomenon. Like when you're standing on a bridge or a ledge or something, you're like, Oh, I wonder what would happen if I just jumped. Or if you're driving a car and you're like, Oh, I could just swerve right in front of the semi or, Oh, I could. It's like, those intrusive thoughts like that. It's an interesting. What is it called? Call of the void. Call of the void. Is there a phenomenon where like, it's just, it's just a thought though. Like, is there a thing that like, Oh, people just, yeah, it's totally, it's healthy to have just a passing like, Oh, I could jump off that. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I guess I won't say it's healthy. I'll say it's totally normal. Totally normal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
it's our survival that keeps us from doing that, right? <laughs> survival <Yes>. instincts. <laughs> uh, have you ever had one of those experiences, like specifically that you can think of, besides driving any given day and just being like, oh, let me just, uh, if I swerve into the next lane, like besides that, you know, like. It's very normal. I, I remember I was dating this one girl and she's like, oh, let's go like. We were, at, we were at a parking garage. Like, we just parked the car. She's like, oh, let's go sit on the side of the parking garage, like, six stories up. And I'm like, okay. Like, this will be fun. I have a I have an incredible fear of heights. <laughs> like, this is – so just dangling my legs off. Some would say a paralyzing fear. Paralyzing. I'm getting heart palpitations right now just talking. <laughs> I can see you're starting to sweat. Oh, my goodness. I am a little bit. And, uh, like, I'm, I'm – it's, it's nighttime. And like, we're just talking and I can't, can't concentrate on a thing that she's saying because the whole time I'm thinking like, oh, you know how only like my, my cat, everything below my knee, that's the only thing that's dangling off. Oh, but if I like raise my legs up like 10 degrees, then I slide right off and right off and into the, uh, into the sidewalk. So yeah, that, that's, uh, uh, I'm getting anxiety just thinking of it, but yeah, that's a call of void, right? Call the void, call of the void. So, in Descent, <laughs> there's there's a scene where... Although, <laughs> that's interesting. Because if you want somebody to like you, she, she might have been taking a psych class. If you want somebody to like you, it's good to do some type of, of uh, say, risky behavior in the sense of like, or something that will get your adrenaline going, right? Because, say, she wants you to sit on the, the ledge with her. Um, oftentimes you might misattribute your arousal and, and use it in the physiological sense, like increased heart rate, like your pupils are dilated. Like you might misattribute that to like, oh, it's because I'm with this person. Like she went way above and beyond. Like she should have taken you like across the, I don't know what she should have done with you. Like a rope bridge, got like, a coffee. A, I was gonna say a, across <laughs> a, a, a foot bridge, a high stool, like a like a an <laughs> elevated stool. <laughs> like walking with someone across a, a foot bridge. Yeah, foot You're bridge. like oh, walking with them. Like oh, why am I feeling this way? And like oh, maybe it's because I'm I'm I really like the person I'm with. So so do men and it's women? It's a good f- first date. It's a good first date. So so do men and win- women feel that the same? Like would I should I have felt more like amorous towards her yes yeah. or or would it just be for women women towards men men towards well, both okay, ways, both, both ways. ways. okay okay i wasn't i don't remember being anymore yeah she was digging you it was a it was a no she wasn't after that if she found out i was scared that was a complete turn off you talk about like sense of <laughs> well, danger originally originally, <laughs> originally. <laughs> uh yeah she could have been the one no i'm just kidding <laughs> as i'm married now <laughs> no it's um that's funny to think that how many uh, how many times I've uh, I, what, wasn't that one of your things like while you took a girl on a first date isn't that your isn't that your secret Mike you take a girl on a first date you always lead her to someplace scary or something scary so that she's instantly <laughs> attracted so <laughs> Mike Mike had the same thing he'd always take them skydiving so on the first date. <laughs> He'd always have a tarantula in the car. He would, always, <laughs> he would always have me dress as a mugger, <laughs> like on the first dates. It was really crazy, <laughs> and uh, and they never they never left him or cheated on him. <laughs> it's a well studied phenomenon, John. So I'm watching Descent. So 
I yeah. mean, for for a listener, like if you if you wanted to take somebody and you wanted them to like you, go to a haunted house or go to a haunted hayride or go do something like that. I guess is how it's applicable to an actionable tip. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, thank you everyone for talking uh, things that scare us about the bills. Hopefully, we didn't scare you too much. Um, at least with the bills, like we don't know for sure if what'll happen or if anything's true. Like, my, they're just things that could happen. So sometimes those are the most scary things, the things that could happen um, as opposed to the things that do happen. So thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Happy Halloween to everyone out there. Enjoy your trick-or-treating safely and uh, socially distant. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again after the Bills-Pats game. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate.